Hello and welcome to the Florida State of Recruiting podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. And we are the three stars and we're excited to be talking to you about Florida State football because it's been an exciting last month despite the efforts of the NCAA and ESPN and everybody else. Florida State has continued to thrive over this last month with a lot of success. So we're going to talk about that uh, over a three-part podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about transfers. We're going to talk about some of the stuff that's going on at Florida State. But let me introduce you to the other three stars. My name is Tim Allenball, and joining me today is Josh Pick. Hey, Josh, how are you doing, buddy? What's up, dude? Are we going to get Timmy Sunshine today? Uh, maybe like Timmy partly cloudy. You know, it's it's <laughs> the sun. The sun's coming back out a little bit. You know, after Good the uh, after the snub and everything else. You know, Good enough for me. <laughs> And then also with us is the doctor, David Stout. How are you, Dave? Hey, what's up, guys? It's good to talk to you again. Um, hopefully, everybody is staying as warm as possible. I know that's much easier said than done, uh, but hopefully, y'all aren't, aren't don't have uh, icicle mustaches like Andy Reid did. Yeah, I have not gone outside, David, to sit my uh, Pepsi outside to see what happens yet in my <laughs> my nine degree temperature. But could be an interesting experiment. But Speaking of interesting, man, the last, <laughs> I mean, probably since that Northern Alabama game, the Florida State roller coaster has just been up and down, up and down, up and down from Jordan Travis's heartbreaking injury uh, to the dramatic win over Louisville, to the snub, to the opt-outs, to the blowout, to the transfer portal, Palooza, uh, which led us up to last week, which was Nick Saban retiring uh, and despite what you may read in reports, Josh, I do believe that Florida State head coach Mike Norvell was a very serious target for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. And I think Norvell gave Alabama a serious look as well. Like there was thoughts that, hey, he's going to interview with them and this might not go Florida State's way. So very, very big news for Florida State to be able to re retain Mike Norvell and, and add more money to his salary, and also to the football budget. Yeah. David, um, when, when we talk about this situation and, you know, some fans may be like, oh, I can't believe Norvell would even give them the time of the day, but Alabama is one of the premier jobs in college football. If you're Mike Norvell, you have to at least listen to the pitch, right? Oh, you're absolutely right, Tim. I, you know, there's, there's five to ten jobs in college football that, it, you know, it doesn't matter what situation you currently have right now. If they come knocking, you have to listen. Now, you don't have to go necessarily, but you have to at least listen, um, especially, you know, with where Alabama is right now under Nick Saban and how they've been able to evolve. And I mean, they're just a machine. But, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm actually kind of on the other end of this. I, You know, when this happened, you know, we knew that Mike Norvell was definitely a serious candidate, especially once Dan Lanning came out and said that he wasn't interested we're like, okay, they're going to pivot to, you know, a, a group that probably includes Mike Norvell. I actually, for whatever reason, call it blind optimism or whatever, but I, I really wasn't worried about him going to Alabama. Um, to me, I think it's important to note that uh, <laughs> Nick Saban, along with every candidate who was a serious um, possibility for Alabama, including Kalen Bohr, all of them are represented by Jimmy Sexton, the man who truly controls college football. So, uh, you know, it was another Jimmy Sexton special. He got big raises for a lot of his clients and then placed a client. 
to replace his best client. So, um, but where I was worried actually was potential ripple effects. You know, to me, I, I think Mike definitely listened. I don't know that they ever got to a negotiation stage, but definitely listened. But he strikes me as someone who really is dedicated to where Florida State is right now. What would have worried me is if you had a situation where, say, you know, Alabama was able to pry Steve Sarkeesian away from Texas and then Texas opens up, then I would have been worried to the point where I'd almost like, okay, we can kiss Mike Norvell goodbye. Texas is one of those jobs that I think if it ever opens, if, if Mike Norvell is at the top of that list, I think FSU could really be in trouble. But anyway, great news for Florida State. You know, you see the parallels with Bobby Bowden turning down Alabama and all that. And, and uh, you know, hopefully that kind of success is coming. I don't want to predict, you know, the, the decade plus of top four finishes or whatever. But, you know, hopefully uh, this, this really shows FSU fans that Mike Norvell is a man about action and not just words. And he's certainly been selling that message on the recruiting trail as well. And, and I got to feel that Norvell feels that Florida State will be out of the ACC sooner rather than later because otherwise you're going to try and get out of Florida State because Florida State cannot compete if they stay in the ACC for a long time. Well, I mean, I, I think you have to think Alfred thinks that as well because although we don't have the exact terms of Norvell's contract, I think we were talking about it off air. It's something estimated to be over $10 million, uh for eight years. And so – I know Willie Taggart's off the books in two weeks or something like that. And so they do have some extra money. But, uh, I mean, you, you don't make that type of commitment, in my opinion, uh, on your ACC budget. Um, yeah, and, the, and it's, really cool to, it's really cool to see that, um, you know, FSU just has this leadership triumvirate right now with, with President McCullough and then an athletic director, Steve Alford, who's just – or uh, he, I, I, I don't know, man. It's it's hard because I think back to when I interviewed him years ago when he had just been named athletic director. And even just back then, you could tell this was a special guy. Like he had a plan, really knew what he was doing with boosters. And to see him where he is now, it's just so cool. And then you like you lock up Mike Norvell. It's awesome to see that FSU is prioritizing great leadership right now. And I mean, I think this is the strongest leadership we've had in at least two, two and a half decades. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, to your point earlier, I think we all think Norvell listens. But to your point, I, I don't know how serious he of a look, for lack of better words, he gave. Um, I, I definitely don't think they got to the negotiation stage or anything like that. I, there was definitely probably some fillers. But I, I think the the thing that really stands out here is, is that if Norvell was a serious candidate and it's more his saying no more than Alabama saying no, uh, that in addition to the, the ACC talk we just had, almost immediately it felt like after Norvell's extension was announced, the NCAA, well, I think Sports Illustrated had it first, the, uh, the sanctions were coming out against Florida State. Uh, for their NIL negotiations with a certain player from Georgia. Thank you, Warchant. Um, the the full list of the penalties were two years of probation, a two-year show cause for Alex Atkins, restriction from off-campus recruiting during fall 2023, uh, disassociation from the said booster, disassociation from the said collective, which was uh, Rising Spear, 
a $5,000 fine plus 1% of the budget, a 5% reduction in football scholarships over two years, reduction in paid official visits, uh, reduction in communications, uh, and, and also reduction of in-person recruiting days. So um, Norvell obviously was aware of this. This I don't think this was surprising to anybody at Florida State when the announcement came out. So here you have Mike Norvell, uh, you know, potentially – uh, being courted for one of the biggest jobs in the industry, knowing that at Florida State he's got uh, he's got sanctions about to hit. So uh, the fact that he stayed, in addition to the ACC, you know, uh, budgetary limita- limitations there, I think it still speaks to Norvell and his mer- his message on loyalty. Now I'm not naive. I know that uh, head football coaches are arrogant <laughs> and prideful guys. And, and, you know, money talks. But uh, the fact that Norvell did this in the face of what was coming his way, I think only strengthens his message to his players and his staff that uh, they're a family, they're loyal, and that's where he wants to be. I don't know if you feel that way as well, David, but what are your thoughts there? Oh, I think you nailed it. And, you know, the, it's funny because we see um... – people upset about these sanctions and, and remember FSU negotiated these sanctions with the NCAA. So they absolutely knew what was coming. And, you know, I've read comments about how could FSU be so stupid and negotiate this settlement and all this stuff. Again, I posted this in the thread. I'm not worried about this. I'm just not worried about this because when you really dig deep into what the actual sanctions are, FSU has already completed some of them. There are ways, plenty of ways in contemporary college football atmosphere to get around reduction in scholarships, reduction in visits, budget. You know, there are plenty of ways to get around that. That's all very temporary. Alex Atkins did get hit with the show cause, but on the flip side, that means he's locked in with FSU for a couple more years. So you have staff stability there and you keep one of your best recruiters. I mean, I I just... I, I hate to say it, but I don't really care about these sanctions. They're just there. You know, it could have been a lot worse. And I, I agree with you. I think the NCAA is always trying to make an example out of Florida State. And it just, you know, I just saw a promo. I'm watching Big Ten basketball right now. And I just saw a promo of Michigan doing their title parade and stuff. And it makes me sick to my stomach that a program that a head coach was suspended two different times in one season and is known to have cheated you know, we're not talking about that, but whatever. Um, but Mike Norvell is not stupid. He actually was on the road recruiting when this announcement came out. And the kid he was talking to was five-star absolute stud Jamie French, who happens to be high school teammates with FSU's 2025 quarterback uh, commitment from L. Jones. And he was able to look Jamie French in the face and say, on this day, this day of all days, when my extension gets announced, all this stuff, I'm here to see you and let my actions speak louder than my words, because a lot of guys talk the talk, but I walk the talk. I mean, he's not stupid. He is an ace recruiter. He knows what he's doing. And so it's going to be really cool to see how this message resonates, not just with you know, making it a lot easier to re-recruit your own players and retain your staff and all that. But out on the recruiting trail, this message is really going to resonate with top prospects. Yeah, and then French decommitted from Alabama Sunday night. I will say that that, that recruitment is going to go all the way up until next year's National Sign Day, whether or not he commits to somewhere before then. Um, I'll also say that if Mike Norville had taken the Alabama job, French would not have decommitted from Alabama. He would have stayed with Alabama. 
And and David, let me just go back to something just so you can clarify for our readers. When you say Alex Atkins is now locked in for two years at Florida State, why do you, why do you say that? Yeah, so so typically anytime an assistant coach gets a show cause penalty, it really means that if any other program wants to hire him either as an assistant or as a head coach, they have a lot of vetting they have to go through. They really have to make a strong case in terms of why this person should get the job. And in a lot of cases, they're just not allowed to do that. And so it's kind of like a quote unquote temporary death knell for a career. So basically what that means is if Alex Atkins, who we know for a fact was being mentioned at numerous head coaching jobs over the past two years, if he wanted to pursue anything, it would just be a much, much, much harder path. And so now what he can do is he can stay at FSU ride it out for a couple years until the show cause is gone, strengthen his own resume as a play caller and as an offensive coordinator and a recruiter, and then who knows what jobs are going to be open down the line. So again, these sanctions, actually, there are a lot of silver linings here for FSU. Yeah, and I I thought about that. You know, with Atkins getting that two-year show cause, that that pretty much parks him at Florida State uh, for two years. And, you know, that kind of goes along with the extension that everybody else got. And we can kind of touch on that briefly. Uh, it was announced that Florida State's uh, all their assistants basically signed an extension. A lot of them were three-year deals. Uh, a lot of people were kind of shocked by that. Um, while while we do have some gripes, I, I think Josh, it's fair to say uh, you're not you're you're not getting rid of staff after going 13 and 0 in the regular season uh, and and finishing with a top 10 recruiting class, even with the misses that you did have and even with the concerns that we have at certain positions, you just, and you know, I, I know there's the good is the enemy of great and you have people like LSU and other people getting rid of staff. But again, if we go back to the message that Mike Norvell preaches, he could not have gone in there and cleaned house in the way that fans want after a season like that. Yeah. I think it sends a bad message to prospective coaches and to prospective recruits. I mean, people think about, Oh, recruit, you know, Coaches are going to say, oh, I'm going to go 13-0 and you're going to fire me? Like, really? So Florida State not only re-upped these guys, they also gave them more money. And I think they're trying to show these, these uh, future prospective coaches that, hey, like, we're in this to play. We're, we're with the big boys. We're going to be SEC, Big Ten. That's that's the level we're attaining, aspiring to. And we've had, as you said, we've had our gripes about certain coaches. But I think this was the right move. Yeah. I mean, if if there was one knock, it would maybe be like, why three years? <laughs> but at the same time, I, I think two things I, I saw somebody mention the other day. Uh, most of these coaches were around during the COVID time and took some pay cuts. So this may have been a little bit of a, hey, thank you for that now that we are in this position. And not to mention, Florida State was probably underpaying a lot of their staff compared to their rivals and their peers. So, you know, just because they signed three-year extensions doesn't mean that somebody can't get another job elsewhere. But now this this staff or these positions on this staff, it's more attractive because they know, hey, we've got potential to make more money here than, you know, they, at like a UCF or something like that. Yeah, and we, we know that Mike Norvell is not scared to help push some of his assistants to other jobs if the option is them getting fired. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that twice now. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And, you know, we can knock recruiting all we want, um, which Lord knows we have. 
Uh, and Lord knows we probably will in the next transfer podcast discussion. Uh, but the results on the field, these guys, while they may not be ace recruiters, you've really seen uh, them coach up these players really well uh, and have found a lot of success for the performance on the field, despite what's happening off the field. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with their track record as developers and as guys that can find diamonds in the rough because a lot of times it's like, oh, what, you know, and again, we've had some gripes with some takes and they've turned out to be true, but we've also been like, maybe this person isn't, isn't good. And then all of a sudden they're an all ACC player. So this staff right. can, de- it, 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 it might be their downfall, but they can definitely find diamonds in the rough. Definitely. <laughs> uh, David, I think lost in all of this, in, in, in the sanctions and the extensions and the Alabama situation and the transfer portal and everything else is, hey, we've still got quote unquote national signing day coming up in about two weeks. And and although that's the much more quieter day for Florida State uh, and, and most teams, there are some names that we want to mention uh, on this podcast. So one is uh, Amari Williams, who is the defensive end, um, uh, the defensive end guy that reclassified right before early signing day, was on campus right before early signing day. Florida State did not land him. But things tend to be trending pretty decent so far for Williams. Uh, David, what's your read on him and, and 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 what Florida State fans could expect from him if he were to commit to Florida State? Yeah, so uh, first things first, I'm going to give Mr. Pick his flowers on this because Josh has definitely <laughs> been more optimistic on Amari Williams than I have. Um you know, I, FSU definitely. It was it was clear that they sh- they shot their shot by trying to get him in after he announced he was going to reclassify, and to get him signed up. And when he didn't choose to sign, you know, it just makes you wonder because then you're like, okay, well, he still has at least four more official visits he can take, and then you know, FSU has already done it. It's going to be you know over a month old that messaging, whatever. But with that, it, it's kind of boggles my mind but it's been pretty quiet on the amari williams front i'm i'm really surprised that we haven't heard more news of him visiting other schools or or anything like that now that can certainly still happen but i mean this is a kid that you know we've seen that the recruiting services anytime a prospect reclassifies to an earlier class inevitably they're going to drop him and right it's because you're comparing him to kids who have a full year's worth of film and and evaluation and camp circuits, uh, you know, so we, we fully anticipate him to drop, but you're talking about a guy in Amari Williams who, when he was in the 2025 cycle, he was ranked as the best athlete in the nation, in the entire nation. And, you know, he's, he's a kid who he can play along the defensive line on edge. Uh, he can play some linebacker. He can play wide receiver, tight end. Um, FSU likes him as an edge prospect. Uh, but what you would be getting, if FSU can land him, what you would be getting is an extremely athletic um, kid with, with you know, a good frame to add enough weight where I think he can be effective off the edge. But he's also raw. He's, he's definitely a developmental prospect. Like, you don't want to see Amari Williams out there right off the bat. If it does, it means you're, you're in trouble. You've got a lot of injuries. Um, but this is someone, again, when you're betting on a staff that, they are developmental in nature, which we know Papuchas and Odell are great, you know, developers at their positions. 
this is somebody with, you know, a few years under Josh Storm's program and strength and conditioning, you can have a potential starter on your hands. Um, you know, it makes me think of guys like, uh, you know, Pat Payton and, and guys who come in and they're skinny as a rail, but the drive is there, the tools are there, and you just have to be a little bit patient. You have to bring them along a little bit slowly, but once you do, boy, bang, all of a sudden there they are in, in their national household names. So that's his ceiling. Um, again, I would caution FSU fans. He's not a guy you're going to see right away. Uh, maybe you'll see him on some special teams, but you're not going to see him in the rotation right away. But if FSU can land him, they have a really nice developmental piece for a couple years down the line. Josh, uh, anything to add there? I know, like David said, you, you've been kind of all over this since the start, keeping an eye on that and kind of been like, hey, this is this is still Florida State's to lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I post on National Sign Day. Like, it feels really weird. Like, I'm the optimist on this one. I'm like, I think I think the only person on, on the FSU beat that was like, hey, Florida State's still going to land Amari Williams as far as I can tell. And it felt really weird kind of being out on that limb, but they did a really good job getting him in for that visit. And I always, I just wonder like if they, if they convince him to, Hey, go ahead and commit, keep it under wraps. You're not going to, you know, we understand you're not going to sign anywhere, but you're going to become a null. And as David said, like, don't expect him to play year one. I don't even think year two is necessarily a, a realistic probability for someone like Amari Williams. And he's add a lot of weight and is underaged. Josh, are you saying that Florida State coaching staff has the wherewithal to sometimes plant momentum? <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> uh, all right. One more talk about Tribe 24. Um, uh, 24-7 sports today. I think it was a, a couple of guys, uh, a Will Fong and maybe Blostein. I, I, got, I don't have it pulled up right in front of me. Dropped a crystal ball for another quarterback prospect in the 2024 class. And interesting enough, uh, the talk is that this uh, player, Trevor Jackson out of Orlando, four-star on the composite, uh, to David's point earlier, maybe one of those uh, quote-unquote newfangled, uh, not scholarship type players uh, when he comes to Florida State. So Josh, I don't know if you know a whole lot about Jackson or, or, or David, um, not somebody that was on my radar. Uh, but this almost kind of feels like your uh, your Tate Tate Rodemaker type quarterback. Yeah, I mean he's he's a kid that I knew about, and you know Lane Kiffin liked him enough at Ole Miss to take his commitment, and he was an elite eleven quarterback and had a nice showing out there. Um, if you can get this kid in as a walk on, that's a huge get. And David's mentioned it, and I'll let him talk about it a little bit more. But in the recruiting thread this morning, just like. Hey, just keep your expectations in check. If if he comes to Florida State, there's a good chance he's not going to be there all four or five years. Yeah, I I think you know when we were it was it may have been a couple of years ago now, but I think we mentioned him as like names to watch for this cycle, like really early on, uh, just with him being from Orlando, and you know he had a nice offer list too, and yeah, he he. I said, Josh, do you know he won some award at the Elite Eleven? It was um, the Rail Shot Challenge. Rail Shot, that's what it was. Uh, so he won an award. I mean, he was definitely on the radar. But you know, when you look at him, you see a kid who's just raw, like really, really raw, like three years away, kind of raw. And we knew that FSU was in the market for a guy who was who was, you know, more college ready and stuff. And then of course they landed. Um, Luke Kromenhoek and the rest is history. 
So yeah, it's never a bad thing if you can get a kid like this in as a as a walk on, and you know, of course, I highly doubt it's a walk on. I'm sure it would be supplemented by NIL money, and um, I'm I have an article that I'm writing that I'm going to touch on more on this. But I think scholarships and scholarship limits are going to be a thing of the past with the amount of money that's being thrown around by NIL stuff. So you're going to see more situations like this. But to me, this is this is a situation that. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a win-win for FSU and Trevor because, you know, he can come in, he can get coached up by, you know, the same staff that really developed Jordan Travis into a Heisman Trophy candidate, get a couple years of uh, coaching, get to work with some incredibly talented wide receivers, um, and, and get some good development there. And then for FSU, you have a guy who really helps your quarterback depth in the room. He's, he's you know, I don't think he's anywhere close to a Luke Cromenhoek. I, think, I don't think he would be close to Brock Glenn, but he's somebody who, you know, you, you hope you bring him in and he can push those guys, you know, he can push the more talented guys and push the scout team, uh, you know, when he's on the scout team and push the defense and maybe mimic some quarterbacks that FSU is going to face. Um, but I, yeah, again, I, just in this day and age of college football, I long gone are the days where you can stash a kid like this on your roster and then, you know, truly put five years of development in him and, and he comes so I think this could be a situation where he comes to FSU for a season or two, um, transfers out, gets a scholarship somewhere else where he can potentially start. But if nothing else, it's a really cool narrative. And it's something that Norvell and his staff can flex. Tony Tokars can you know, flex and say, hey, we're bringing in, you know, he's a composite three-star, but I think 24-7 has him as a, uh, as a four-star. You can flex and say, hey, we're bringing in blue-chip kids on, on walk-on, you know, situations and you can be a part of this because the talent level is rising. Yeah. And I think as uh, one of our Tomahawk nation contributors, uh, Savad pointed out earlier in our Slack chat, if he were to commit Florida state, he would be higher than Miami's uh, top quarterback commit this year. (laughs) So It'd be funny to have Florida state with a quote unquote walk on uh, higher than your rival. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but we, you know, it's nice to see that Florida State might have a little bit of juice come uh, National Signing Day. Uh, and, and I think with those two commits, I think we'll see Florida State still round out uh, in the top 10 as long as, you know, obviously the other teams around them don't do anything crazy, uh, which again would be um, Mike Norvell's highest class uh, since being at Florida State. So, um, I, I think that's all we want to really touch on here in the first podcast. I know Josh is going to always jump in and tell me I've forgotten something, uh, but I do want to encourage everybody to stay tuned uh, as we are going to talk uh, to the transfer class that Florida State's bringing in over a two-part podcast. So we'll have this spread out over a few days over at Tomahawk Nation. But before we get out of here, Josh, go ahead and jump in here. Well, I was just going to say there was a lot of consternation on National Sign Day and, you know, it's the end of the world. What is Florida State doing? They got to fire everybody. They can't recruit, blah, blah, blah. And we were just like, hey, like, yeah, they missed some places, but let's see what they do in the transfer portal. Um, This is their track record. Like of all the places they recruit, they recruit transfer portal the best. And then and then it was, oh, my gosh, they're not landing transfers quickly enough. It's like, well, they're playing the Orange Bowl. Like, just give it a like there's still three weeks to go. Let's, you know. Trust the staff. They, you, I, I believe they've shown that they can get guys out of the transfer portal year after year. And lo and behold, all of a sudden you have a top five transfer class and your and your 24, tribe 24 looks pretty darn solid. Yeah. And, and yeah. just something really briefly to say as well, like, 
it's important to remember that FSU brought in one hell of a signing class in December. Like, yeah, signing day itself didn't go that great, but FSU still brought in a top 10 class. They brought in, in my opinion, probably the best defensive back class in high school, and they brought in one of the best wide receiver classes. Brought in the nation's top tight end. You brought in an incredible quarterback, awesome duo of running backs. I mean, FSU really did some great work. And so I know it's easy to get lost in the negative narratives, but y'all remember, like, FSU is bringing in some really good players in Tribe 24. Yeah, exactly. I, I think as Josh and I were kind of talking the other night, what we've really seen this offseason, and we'll really touch on this uh, in the next two podcasts, is you've really seen Florida State raise the floor of this program. Um, you know, if you look at the – I forgot somebody tweeted out. If you look at the transfer out average ranking versus the transfer in average ranking for this class, it was something like 90 ratings compared to 64 ratings so you know florida state continues to churn uh and you see that while there are some concerns here and there it does feel like norvell and crew have a pretty good plan out there for what they want to do with this program all right guys let's put a bow on pod one Uh, like i said we're going to be talking about transfers it's going to be a two-part pod we're going to split it up between offense and defense and excited to be talking about uh this recruiting or this transfer class that's coming in, but more to come there. Uh, As always, check us out on Tomahawk Nation. We are the three stars. This is the Florida State uh, Recruiting Podcast. Check us out wherever you listen or wherever you are listening to podcasts. Leave us five stars, good reviews. Uh, And until next time, for Josh Pick, for David Stout, I am Tim Allenball. Let's keep climbing.